Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of In the Fire. What episode number is this? Oh, it's up there. It is up there. Uh, it's a special episode for us, regardless, since we are all in here in person, um, which has happened only a handful of times in the past. <laughs> only once, I believe. <laughs> really? I, thought I think it's happened twice. twice. It might be that twice. the third time. Yeah, the third yeah. time. Um, so a rare opportunity for us. We're all here over Thanksgiving break. We hope you all, listeners, had a good Thanksgiving. Um, this is episode 77. Wow. Yes, a it lucky, is. A lucky number. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Justin Thomas, how are you all doing? Good. Doing well. Yeah. Happy to be here. Happy to be in person. Yeah, coming <clears> off <throat> of a nice Thanksgiving. Now mm. we're, uh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. We're entering the Advent season. <laughs> We could do another Christmas series. We could. We for could. some Christmas themed episodes. Perhaps that will be coming your way. I'm yes. sure that will come your way. But <laughs> that will not be today. <laughs> um, this week we will tackle another entire book of the Bible. Right. Or at least most of it. It will be the book of Habakkuk. What do you think of when you think Thanksgiving? Habakkuk. Exactly. If yes. you're not thinking Habakkuk and in the fire, I don't know what you're doing. Um, by the way, are we going Habakkuk or Habakkuk? Or both? I, <laughs> I always go by Habakkuk. I think Habakkuk is the right way to, of saying it. But Habakkuk is more fun. It is. Or we could shorten it to Hab. I'm, I'm okay with shortening it to Hab. Yes, we may revert to that throughout this episode. This is a, a favorite um, book of Sesame Street. Why? <laughs> because of Explain the, this one, Jay. Have a cookie monster. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I like it. Nice. <laughs> did you come up with that all on your own? I did. I came nice. up with it this morning. That's a good one. Impressive. Cookie monster. <laughs> But yes, this will be an entire book of the Bible. It's a, Habakkuk is a, one of the mini prophets, which I don't think we've looked at before. I don't think we've at any minor prophets. Yeah, no. or at least not for a full episode. Um, there's not much known about old Hab, but <laughs> um, some believe that he was a temple prophet, who's described as using lyres, harps, and cymbals. And that's because of the liturgical nature of the book, which we will get into shortly. Um, also, a commentary on the first three chapters was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, which is an interesting tidbit. But other than that, we don't know much about him. But he is one of the 12 minor prophets of the Bible who each get their own book. And we're going to look at it today. Yeah. We can place the book a little bit. I did look up some context on historically where it happens. Uh, in the kingdom of Judah... After the split of those of the two kingdoms, this is when this book takes place. It seems to be placed uh, during or just after the reign of King Josiah, who we've talked about briefly before, good king. Mm -hmm. And as we'll probably discuss, it predates the Babylonian exile by a couple decades, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what we'll get a lot of today. So yeah, it looks like it's during the reign of Josiah. I saw somewhere that maybe Habakkuk was a contemporary of Daniel and the people in Daniel. Um, what that means, friend or not, I don't know, or just he existed at the same time. Maybe that's it. But before the Babylonian exile, during King Josiah's reign. Yes, there we have it. <laughs> um, and the book itself is a conversation between... Habakkuk the prophet and God, and it is a faith-forming conversation. Um, Habakkuk has a lot of questions, questions God's wisdom a few times throughout it, but in the end, he comes around, um, and it strengthens his faith uh, between uh, with this conversation that he has. So we can go in and get into it. I think we'll read, um, actually, we'll read the first chapter, but we'll go piece by piece. So... Um, we will start. Actually, we'll just go ahead and read the entire first chapter. <laughs> um, it is 17 verses. So 
Jay, do you want to do first one through six? Sure. T seven through eleven, and then I will finish it off. Okay. How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you not you do not listen, or cry out to you violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is a strife and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I, the Lord's answer, this is. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people, who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swift to devour. They all come for violence all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand, at kings they scoff, at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up the earth and take it. Then they sweep like the wind and go on, guilty men whose own might is their God. Are you not from everlasting? Oh, Habakkuk's second complaint. (laughs) Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of pure eyes in this evil and cannot look at wrong, who do you idly look at? Why do you look at? Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and he and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet, for by them he lives in luxury, and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? And that is the end of the the first chapter. So there is kind of a breakdown here. Um, If you notice, verses 1 through 4 are Habakkuk's first complaint, and he is um, complaining about God not doing anything to correct the the Judeans, the kingdom of Judah, who are living in wicked, sinful ways. And then the Lord responds after Habakkuk questions this and says that he is going to raise up the Babylonians to correct the kingdom of Judah um, through violence and war. Uh, And as Justin mentioned, this will eventually lead to the Babylonian exile. Um, but then Habakkuk complains again that um, why would he let the Babylonians who do not believe in the same God as the Judeans, even though the Judeans are living in, living in sin, why would he let them um, be the ones to exercise judgment on the Judeans and correct them? So that's where this first chapter takes us. I want to open, up, open it up to Justin Thomas. Is there anything that stands out to you guys here in this chapter? It sounds a lot like a psalm to me, mm-hmm. um, on both sides, the back and forth. And even chapters two and three are the same kind of thing. And I know, I guess maybe at the time it's taking place, that makes sense. It, you know, it fits with that Old Testament kind of feel. And, you know, it's just almost crying out for help. And, you know, a lot of the psalms read the same way. And you have David saying... Like, why do my enemies succeed? Why and I tend and I continue to fail? And um, why do these wicked men continue to? Uh, why do they continue to get glory and honor? And why do I continue to be put down and put to shame? And um, I think we get kind of the same sort of thing here, um, in a sense. So it reads a lot like a psalm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's a very relatable um, like complaint. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I think that's why this is like one of the more referenced minor prophets because 
it's you can, you can easily take this complaint out and then put it back into our society today of just like looking at like the brokenness and the strife and just like all the suffering that goes on it's like like where is god you know like why do i see all these terrible things if god is really here and, and over it and then it's like get back at the the point of the babylon like why are you sending the babylonians it's like it's like we're your people god like what are, what are you doing with them like why aren't you like condemning them and helping us um and the obvious answer is they're living in sin and they are yeah they're not following the law the way that they should be and you know god has to deal with that the way that he always has until jesus we can get into that later (laughs) (laughs) you make a good point that you can kind of cut this out and you can almost copy and paste it in today's world and uh, i think verse like verse three here is a great example why do you make me look at injustice why do you tolerate wrongdoing destruction and violence are before me there is strife and conflict abounds I think a lot of people in today's world, like their their excuse and their reason for not believing that God exists is that there's injustice and wrongdoing. And if God tolerates wrongdoing, in quotes, <laughs> um, then how can he be a just God? And that's something that Habakkuk is struggling with here. And I think that's something that reads true today, probably for believers and non-believers both. Uh, you know, I think that's probably the biggest complaint I hear from people who don't believe in God is that, you know, why is all this evil in the world if, why is all this wrongdoing and injustice out there and people recognize it more and more today, as they probably should, you know, but why does it exist if God watches over all creation? Um, and it's a good question, and I think it's, it's that, that, that question is a very difficult one for people to get over and mm. for people to grapple with. And I think a lot of people just can't at this point, you know. Yeah, no, it's a question that is as old as time, I'm sure, or since the fall. Um, Why is there so much evil in this world? And why is God, like my ESV version says in that same verse you mentioned, Justin, why do you idly look at wrong? And yours is, why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Which I think both are, um, I'm glad there's both those translations because I think they both are, they're different words, but they each... um, they're each the words tolerate and idly look or idly um i think point to the um just the doubt that old hab is having here um (laughs) and he doesn't see the whole picture and it's hard for us to see the whole picture too like it's such a relatable thing um to question like why is god not doing anything about all this evil or why can't we see god doing all these things about the about um about all the evil that's going on in this world. And I think it's um, also compelling that one of the minor prophets or one of the prophets in the Bible is having is asking these questions because we're all questioning it. And I'm sure that it's um, like without digging into it deeper, a lot of uh, atheists or people who are questioning God will cling to this, the question of like, why, why are you, why does God let bad things happen? Um, but even Habakkuk is questioning it here. And I think it's a question worth asking, but it's also one where it's important to listen to God's response and to build ourselves up in the promises of the God, the promises of God and the scripture um, to see um, what God is actually up to and to be able to trust in that. Yeah. Um, it's, so. a, it's a common uh, difficulty that people, like even like, Habakkuk have in the Bible, and you have, I, I dare say, even greater figures, more prominent figures maybe in the Bible, um, that struggle with the same kind of thing, like David. When you read the Psalms, David clearly struggles with this concept. Um, Job, who we've talked about before, very much more personal to him, has <laughs> some struggles with the same thing. I think you could even say Jesus struggles with this. Um, you know, when, And that's, again, maybe more personal when he's about to go on the cross. Um, he kind of struggles with that evil that's about to come to him. And, you know, if, if all these people are dealing with the same doubts, then of course we would too. And of course, those who don't believe in God would succumb to the trap that these doubts create in them. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think it can be it can be a trap. Um, and there's lots of levels to the the doubt, as I mentioned in first in the first chapter here, in the first four verses. Habakkuk, who probably knows the scriptures very well as a prophet, um, probably recalls verses or uh, examples in the the Old Testament thus far in the scriptures where God is um, saying that He will. Um, like he will correct wrongdoing, he will um, like punish the the Israelites for their iniquity. But here there's sort of a, um, as Habakkuk calls it, a paralyzation of that law of what God is promising to do. Um, and that's not that he won't do it, but it's that Habakkuk may not understand the timing of it yet, and he can't see it happening. Uh, Justin mentioned earlier that King Josiah was... Uh, alive and reigned during Habakkuk's life. So Habakkuk, Josiah, from my understanding, was a pretty good king. So Habakkuk probably saw um, the Judah and Israel under Josiah's reign when things were going better and they were doing better at obeying God. But then he probably also saw, it looks like, uh, in context of these verses here, where there's just so much iniquity being surrounding and uh, permeating through Judah. And he is um, maybe questioning God's timing or if uh, the wicked are going to continue to surround it and um, swarm the righteous. And um, he's questioning when exactly God is going to fulfill the promises that he um, had fulfilled in the past and promised to fulfill. Um, so that is, that's one level of it. And then obviously the Lord answers and says he's going to bring the Babylonians in verses 5 through 11 to execute this judgment eventually. Um, and I like the verse here in verse 5 where, it's that, where God says, For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Um, which I think is an important verse to, for us to stick to at all times, knowing that God's timing is greater than our timing and his ways greater than our ways. And that we have a limited... Um, vantage point of what God is doing. As humans, like we just have a small picture. We don't know the bigger picture, but we can trust that the Lord does. And even when he says that he's um, going to use the even more evil and, and um, not God-believing Babylonians to um, execute judgment on the Babylon, or to execute judgment on the Judeans, even then, Habakkuk then questions even more the wisdom of God, saying, oh, how can um, evildoers and the most wicked of nations be the ones to have this victory over um, over the Judeans? And that, Justin, does remind me of the Psalms. Like, I think, I do really think it reads like a Psalm um, in that way. And like, why is, why are these evildoers or my enemies being the ones to be victorious? Um, yeah, that's just... There's multiple levels of Habakkuk questioning God here. Especially in the, like, from 12 to 17, where God's answer is, I'm not idle. I'm about to raise the Babylonians. <laughs> and Habakkuk is like, why them? <laughs> what do you mean you're going to raise them up? Not quite or, what he wanted to hear. Yeah, I think it's because it's scary. He's probably scared. Um, mm. And the way that God describes the Babylonians, it's... They seem like quite an imposing force. And there's probably a very specific reason who's choosing them to do the, you know, the Babylonians to do this, because they're a big, scary military force that's going to make a statement. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there's also like an element, like in verse 13, he's talking about God, you who are of pure eyes, of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up? almost feels like he's accusing God of like why are you using the wicked to like punish the wicked in a sense of like why are you using the Babylonians who a wicked people to punish us it's like you just like punish us yourself almost I wonder if there's an element here to what God is doing that's and I don't I don't want to say that uh, Habakkuk is one of the people doing this I think he's he's more trying to get to the bottom of this but I wonder if there's an element that um, you know, the, the verse that look at the plank in your own eye before 
the sliver mm-hmm. and the others. Um, you know, I, I kind of see this, Thomas, in what you said, like, this is Judah who's, I mean, going to be punished for a reason. And instead of looking at the plank in the, their own eye, which Habakkuk does, so I'll give him some credit. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe this happened in the kingdom more generally. Instead of looking at the issues going on with themselves and fixing themselves, they here are very much looking at, well, why are you sending Babylon then? They're way more wicked than we are. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the wrong mindset mm-hmm. to have. Um, and maybe that's a reason why God is doing this. I don't know. Uh, maybe it plays into it. And, you know, that when it gets into talking about the fish in the sea, like, you know, you've made us as fish in the sea. That's us. We're just fish in the sea. Mm-hmm. And then here comes Babylon to catch us in their nets. I mean, you're, no, you're not just fish in the sea. Yes, you are. But you've also got some wrongdoing on your own end to take care of. And mm-hmm. that's why. We're doing it this way. You haven't responded yet to the other options that I've given you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be a lesson in humility here. Um, <laughs> it is funny that, um, like, Habakkuk, Thomas, you mentioned this. Habakkuk calls the Judeans um, and Judah evil. But then <laughs> it sounds like they're here. He's, he's calling the Babylonians more evil. So he's like, why are you using more evil, greater evil, to correct evil um which is not not the mindset (laughs) we should be having here um and so maybe that's you know something that god is trying to teach habakkuk here um which i i definitely you can definitely see here especially in verses 12 12 through 17 and you know habakkuk even says in verse 12 we shall not die so he hears um god talking about how mighty and violent the Babylonians are, and he probably does get scared, but he's probably also at the same time like, oh, we're the chosen people. We're your chosen people, God. We shall not die. Mm -hmm. Like, why are you ordaining these people so violent as a judgment for us? Um, So he definitely is a little confused here, and I think that's kind of the point of this this book, maybe, and some of the takeaways that we can get, and um, we can if you guys have anything else to say on chapter one, we can talk about it. But um, we continue to see Habakkuk kind of be transformed and his faith strengthen as this book goes on. Yeah, I, I did want to circle back to verse four in chapter one because last uh, two weeks ago, last episode, we talked about the fulfillment of the law and how Jesus fulfilled the law. And I think verse four here is interesting. Um, it talks, I'll read verse three, talks about Looking at injustice, why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. And then Habakkuk says, Therefore the law is paralyzed, and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. I thought that was a little interesting. And maybe, you know, I think we talked about almost the need for Jesus to come and fulfill the law to a greater extent because of <laughs> nothing against God and the way he said it with the law, but like the shortcomings of the law in addressing the needs of the people almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is maybe an example of that where all this injustice is going on and the law can't accomplish what it needs to, I think, almost in the face of all of that. By itself, the law can't. And the way in which the law was being used at that point in time, the way in which it was set up, yeah, it could have. Um, but I think the way that the people started using the law maybe was starting to have a negative effect and this is maybe just one look at how that necessitates the arrival of Jesus. I think uh, an important aspect of like the law itself is that people weren't able to completely live out the law. Yeah. And because we we didn't have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would come upon certain people at certain times but it wouldn't dwell. Um, And that's the beauty of the new covenant where like we're able to then like no longer be bound by the law but be set free in Christ and in the new covenant and have a relationship with God. Whereas like Old Testament was very much more like here's the law, here's what you need to do to be righteous, and people were unable to do that. Yeah. And so it's I wouldn't necessarily say the law was the shortcoming. Mm, the people. The were. people. Yeah. And that was all all mm-hmm. part of the plan. Like mm-hmm. that God foresaw mm-hmm. that. And foresaw that it would take Jesus to fix it. And ultimately it did. Yeah. And this is just another example in this time that 
Habakkuk wrote this, and when the time that he was experiencing the um, the wickedness of the Judeans and the Babylonians, like it's just one of many examples where God's chosen people were disobeying and living in a lot of sin and losing their way. Um, so like ultimately, like it is uh, a limitation on or a shortcoming of the people, and that could you know over time not truly be fixed until Jesus comes along and and fulfills the law. Yeah. Um, I think it's also a humility in like just living in this world. Um, the verse 17 is he, Babylon, to keep emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy. And the answer is almost just, yeah. <laughs> this is this is the world we live in. We've talked about that before. And um, being kind of just strangers in this strange land and God has set up these nations as they are. It's not necessarily our place to change the order of things um, but more to live in this world in the order that it is in now and it was set up in And um, if Babylon is to sweep through the nations and continue destroying them as God has it planned then yeah that's how it's going to happen mm-hmm. um, and good will come out of it and you just have to have the faith that that will happen <clears throat> Yeah, it's important to humbly submit to, to God's ways and what he's saying here that he is doing work in our days that we would not believe if told, but we trust in that because we know that God's ways are higher, and this is this is the truth that God is the truth, um, and His promises have been fulfilled one hundred percent through time. Um, yeah, <clears throat> and even here, it's you know God is essentially working for the destruction of Israel, um, but He is also. But like that that's still a work. Like there's a reason why he's doing that, right? Um the reason being sin, most prominently. But yeah, time and again the Lord raises up enemies of Israel to judge them when they when they do not follow. Egypt? Egypt? Egypt. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And he always he always remembers his people, he always sets them free again. But it's it's definitely hard to go through a pruning stage of, like, why are why, why are they coming to kill us? Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to tell that to my people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But it's important to know that <clears throat> the Lord is always one degree of authority above any human or evil power, any nation that seems to maybe having the upper hand at a time against God. Like, that's not the case. Like, God is above um, and it speaks to God's providence that he allows this to happen. Um, John Piper says, God is in control of the nations. He swings them like a sword to chastise his people. The Babylonians will come against Judah as God's rod of correction. So ultimately, it's not evil nations that we see across the world back then and today that may be having the upper hand for a moment against God. Ultimately, God is allowing this to happen um, as a rod of correction against his people. Uh, and that good will come out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And speaking of humility, we can look at um, chapter 2 now. We won't read all of it. We'll just look at a little bit of it. Um, specifically, the first verse in chapter 2, which says <laughs> Habakkuk responds again after um, questioning why God is sending the greater evil, the Babylonians, um, quote-unquote greater evil, to... Um, wage war against and destruction against the Judeans as correction. But Habakkuk responds and says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Um, which I really found to be a great verse and maybe a, a big shift and difference maker in the book. Um, just as we saw that Habakkuk can't see God's plan unfold or understand exactly why he's doing things in this timing. Um, So he's recognizing that things may not make sense or seem fair at the moment, Habakkuk is. But then he says, um, I will remain faithful and obedient. I will stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower, being ready at all times. Um, And I think that's, you know, a sign of admission to God's will and his ways, submission to God's will and his ways even though we can't fully understand them, which we will always, I think, grapple with in our lives. 
um, not fully understanding or seeing what God is doing in the moment. But that's no um, excuse to lose your faith. In fact, that should strengthen our faith and um, allow us an opportunity to walk by faith, even if we can't see what's going, what God is doing. Um, but here, a great example for us is that Habakkuk says, despite this, despite the uncertainties um, I may have in the moment, I will still stand guard and station myself and look out to see what God will be doing, um, which I find, find very commendable um, and a good thing for us to look to. I think with that too, I like how it shows kind of uh, like a relationship that between um, Habakkuk and God, where it's like I'm, I'll, I'll sit here and I will look for for the Lord's answer to me, and then I will, and then I will answer concerning my own complaint. I'm like he's like the the Lord will answer my complaint, and then we'll see if I complain again. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's it's a cool thing of being able to voice complaints to God and him answering us. Not because, like, his answer isn't always, like, yes, yes, but it, he always gives an answer. Um, and it's it's something it's pretty cool, I think, of, like, God wanting to be in relationship with us and giving us the ability to question him because um, we don't understand everything that he does because we can't. But it's, it's cool that he allows us to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of chapter 2 I don't know how much we'll be looking at but it's kind of interesting it looks almost like some of this the outcome of this starts to be revealed to Habakkuk um, mm-hmm. as I try to quickly read through it here um, you know verse 3 for the revelation awaits an appointed time it speaks of the end and will not prove false so, you know like this is going to happen god says though linger wait for it it will certainly come and it will not delay but i i like verse 4 kind of seems to change see the enemy is puffed up his desires are not upright but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness so there's a contrast there between how the righteous person person should be living their lives during this time and how the enemy will be living its life um and then about the enemy again, indeed, wine betrays him. He is arrogant, never at rest, because he is as greedy as the grave, and is, and, de- and like death is never, never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations, takes captive all the people. So it's not like, you know, uh, Habakkuk is going to God with these complaints, and God's like, I don't care. This is happening. God, God recognizes that, you know, Babylon is almost this greater evil that's now doing this problem. And he's, I think this is him almost reassuring Habakkuk, like, look, I know what Babylon is. You don't have to worry that I don't know that. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make, like, it's going to come around, and I'm going to make it right in the end. In um, that puffed-up language in verse 4 reminds me of what Paul writes. I found it in Romans eleven twenty one. Do not be puffed up with pride. Tremble, rather, for if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Um, you know, so this idea of being puffed up with pride as opposed to humble and righteous, um, humble in the, in the face of God's righteousness. It's a big contrast, and God does recognize the difference between them. And I think that's probably reassuring to Habakkuk in this moment. Yeah. I like that you mentioned that, and that is a very um, important part of this book. And just in general, the Babylon exile, the Egyptians, as we talked about um, throughout the Bible, these greater evil powers um, that destroy and threaten the the kingdoms of Israel um, and here the kingdom of Judah. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's important to, to remember that, like, and it is reassuring to know that, um, like, it may seem after like, God is promising or saying that the Babylonians will um, destroy Judah. Um, but at the same time, it's important to to know what God is saying and that he won't just turn a blind eye against them and he won't let the Babylonians continue to um, to reign and have their way. But ultimately, like, he knows what he's doing and he will not forget the evil being done by the Babylonians and he will execute judgment on them too and make things right. Um, 
yeah, I think that's, again, the idea that vengeance is the Lord's. Like, we can trust that God will handle that and deal with evil accordingly. Um, and this is a, that is a substantial part of the second chapter here. And I do think it is very reassuring to Habakkuk. Yeah, and like verse 8 seems to be pretty clear. And I think I think this is talking to like Babylon, almost because you have plundered many nations, peoples who are left will plunder you. For you have shed human blood, you have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Um, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure this part is talking to Babylon, almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the heading is Woe to the Chaldeans. Yeah. And so that's what happens to Babylon after they judge yeah. Israel. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so yeah. their due will be coming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, God, like a, a theme throughout the Old Testament is God condemns the proud and raises up the humble. And so right now he's raising up the proud, and, he's good, and then later on he's going to tear them down yeah um but israel has also been quite proud yes <laughs> he's using the proud to humble the proud and then he will raise up the humble once they are humbled <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's spot on and then chapter one hold on let me go back to chapter one here um god says that the babylonians god little g god is their own might and then in chapter 2, it continues to talk about woe to him, the Babylonians, who gets evil gain for his house. Um, you have devised shame for your house, the Babylonian's house, by cutting off many peoples. You have forfeited your life. Um, and then verse 18, what profit is an idol when its maker has shaped it, a metal image, a teacher of lies? For its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes speechless idols. So that could be talking about um, the Babylonians obviously having idols, but also maybe idols of their might and their violence, which though may um, <laughs> cause some sort of instant gratification or short-term gratification and <laughs> and victory in the short term um, is not a long-lasting thing to put your faith in, um, your might or any idol. When I do like I think, you know, verses 18 to 20 about idolatry probably you know, speak to all of us and are good examples for all of us, but also um, also is probably, you know, very relevant and applicable to the Babylonians and how they are very idolatrous in their own ways and that will be dealt with uh, eventually. Um... I also wanted to just go ahead and read a couple more verses from chapter 2. Um, verses 2 through 4. And um, the Lord answered Babakuk, it says, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by faith. I think this is a good promise to live by. And remember, maybe a good verse to memorize. Um, the Lord is just encouraging and reassuring Habakkuk here. Write the vision. Make it plain. For the vision awaits its point in time. But it hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Um which I think is, is is pretty awesome, and we can have faith in that. And the next verse says, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Lord is telling us that it's it's a good thing to have faith in this, and it is good for us to have faith in this, so we, that we don't have to deal with the consequences of all this doubt and uncertainty or turning from the faith when we can't necessarily see what's going on. But we are instructed to have faith and know that um, God's promises will not lie. And it will come to fruition um, in the most good and glorious way whenever it does happen and within God's timing. Um, and we can have faith in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, I mean, faith is important. Um, I feel like this whole book is about having faith in God above what you see. 
mm -hmm. in, happening in the world. And I think that's a good little, it's, it's a good part in, right in the middle of the book where it's like, it's been complaint, answer complaint. And it's like, he was like, okay, but like still have faith. And it's like judgment and then praise. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so it's, yeah, so I like it. I think it's also important here that we're not left on our own to have faith, um, even though it is kind of up to us to choose to have that faith. Here we see very clearly that Habakkuk is struggling with his faith. God answers him to help encourage him in his faith. And then God, especially in uh, chapter 2 here, very clearly provides a roadmap of what is to become of Babylon in the future, saying... This, this, you will be punished. I'm telling you that's going to happen. But things will get better. This is why you have faith. Um, because I will bring you out of this, and I'm doing this for your own good. And God is very directly talking to him here and giving him what he needs to have that faith. So it's not like we're just sitting there and we have nothing coming to us in order, and we just have to have faith in nothing. Um, because who's going to have faith in nothing? What we have here is very clearly God giving something and saying this is the basis for your faith i'm telling you this is going to happen you can trust me i'm god <laughs> and then so he's giving us the reason for our faith we just you know so we're not alone in choosing to have that faith god is encouraging us in it yeah. all the time absolutely mm -hmm. it's crucial yeah yeah that is that is crucial and almost like the most important thing to recognize with faith is that it's not an empty faith or a, um, a faith that's like built on faulty ground. Um, it is, faith is a gift from God and it's not to be led astray. Like we're not to be led astray by it because there are, there's a roadmap here in chapter two on how to have faith. And then there's a roadmap, roadmaps throughout the Bible, yeah. um, and <laughs> through the Holy spirit and, um, Evidence is evident in our own lives, examples in the, like our past, I'm sure we can come up, come up with where God has remained faithful and God is supplying that faith within us. Yeah, it's, it's like when you get, it's been a while, but we can all relate to this. When you get like a, a brand new, nice, beautiful, big Lego, um, imagine like our faith is uh, that when we put the pieces together, it'll build what it's supposed to. Um, almost, it's what we have to have the faith in those pieces to do that. But if we had faith alone with, say, God provides the instructions, the instruction booklet, uh, without that, you know, God gives us that so that our faith has a basis in something. Mm -hmm. um, if, it's not like we're just left with a whole bunch of Lego pieces and it says build this huge castle out of these Lego pieces and we have nothing in front of us to build the castle out of. If that was the case, then it would be pointless to just have a bunch of Lego pieces. Um, but, you know, faith works almost like a two-way street um, in that it's impossible to have faith without that instruction sheet. It's impossible to build the Lego without the instruction sheet. But luckily for us, we get that instruction sheet. God gives it to us. He gives us what we need to have the faith. He gives us what we need to build the Lego. And then we can build the Lego Mm -hmm. because of what God has given us. Not just because we have the Lego, but because God has given us the power to have the faith to build the Lego. Mm. <laughs> I, like <it>. <laughs> <laughs> I think that may be one of our best analogies yet. <laughs> I like it a lot. And that is that is good imagery. And also like it's a two way street and I think it shows the importance of prayer in that. Um prayer is a great faith forming action that we can take and that um like we're calling out to god and god will respond to us um with this instruction manual with the bible um like i think we understand that more when we're in prayer and conversation with god but also the ways that he will transform our hearts and, and speak to us through our prayer too and this whole book is you know i think it's a prayer between habakkuk and god and god responding and um, habakkuk gra grappling with questions and getting answers from god um to supply and sustain that faith and strengthen it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a two-way street, and God will always cover his side of the street. So, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you just got to walk down your own. Yes. Um, but yeah, like, prayer is so important, because if you're, like, 
questioning and angry at God, but you're not talking to him. It's like you have a roommate <laughs> who isn't doing their doing what they should be, and then you just get mad at them <laughs> instead of like, hey, couldn't you like help us out with chores and like kind of yeah and like question them and, and get them in and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you don't you don't want to be the bad roommate. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, here we get. Habakkuk prays and God answers. If Habakkuk didn't pray, then this book wouldn't even exist. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> We'd have nothing. So that's, that's exactly what you just said. Yeah. Um, if David didn't pray, we wouldn't really have the book of Psalms. <laughs> so <laughs> We have hundreds of chapters of, of prayers to God. Um, yeah, and I think that's, that's also part of, part of the roadmap. Remember to pray, remember to remember, and know God's promises, and that will be instrumental to our faith because so much of it, like it is from God, our faith. And the more that we pray and um, read and understand the Lord's promises and what he's done in the past and remember that and cling true to that, then um, our faith, I think, will be transformed even more by God and by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. All right, well, um, there also is a chapter three of Habakkuk. We're not going to read it, but it also, speaking of prayer, it is a beautiful and great prayer. So I encourage everyone to read it. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of praise and adoration to God. Sounds even more like a psalm to me yeah. when I read it. <laughs> even ends with, to the choir master. Yeah. Straight <laughs> it is very encouraging, yes. And it is liturgical and like a psalm, liturgical. Which may be um, why Habakkuk is thought to have maybe been a temple prophet who used lyres and harps and cymbals. <laughs> I think we can see the underpinnings of that here. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I do encourage everyone to go through and read chapter three here. Um, it's affirming. Yeah, you see the and, change in heart that yeah. Habakkuk has from the start to now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. He talks about you know how God has worked. Like you can see God through creation, and how that has withstood the test of time, um, and the and how um, God has delivered His chosen people throughout the test of time through two, and yeah, there's just a lot of praise and thanksgiving, and just encouragement and reflection on everything that God has done in the past and will continue to do. Um, it's not like God doesn't give us no base, like we've heard it says, no basis to, to have faith in him, but like everything that God has done is basis for us mm-hmm. to have faith in him. Um, and I think you see that in, in, in this chapter here with Habakkuk. Um, but like he, he's like, this, this is like the God of the universe we're talking about, who's always faithful, who's who created the world, who does things that we cannot understand. And we can have faith that he, that he will do what he says because he has always done what he has said. And that he will continue to do that because God doesn't change. Um, and e- e- even when it feels like <laughs> God isn't working, that he is working, and that's verse 5. For I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if you were told. Mm-hmm. And... Like we can trust that God is working. We can trust that the Lord is working towards his goal for the redemption of the world. And we can trust and have faith that he is also working for his people. Indeed. Yeah, it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Anything else you guys want to add? All right. I will close out real quick with a couple verses throughout chapter 3. Um, Habakkuk says you went out for the salvation of your people for the salvation of your anointed you crushed the head of the house of the wicked laying him bare from thigh to neck you trampled the sea with your horses the surging of mighty waters I hear and my body trembles my lips quiver at the sound rottenness enters into my bones my legs tremble beneath me yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. 
Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. To the choir master with stringed instruments. Mm. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's a beautiful ending to the book and a good ending to this episode. Um, I will close it out in prayer now. Uh, dear Father, thank you for this wonderful opportunity to record another podcast and for the opportunity and ability for us to be able to do it in person. I pray that um, our faiths be transformed and and renewed and strengthened each and every day, each hour of every day. May we continue to seek you and pray and be in your word and trust in you and know that um, we have every reason to have faith in you. And in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Justin, <laughs> how can our listeners reach out to us if they would like to? There are two main ways you can hit us up, and we would love to hear from you. The first uh, is on Instagram. We have an Instagram page where we post when episodes are out, where we put things up on our story when episodes are out, and also when we have questions for you. You know, it's Thanksgiving, so maybe we should still ask what people are thankful for. Mm-hmm. But Christmas is coming up, so we might get some you know, little polls out there that you can respond to uh, with some fun Christmas-themed ideas. Our Instagram page, you can also DM us there, so you can always message us. You can reply in the comments. We will see it. We all three have access, so all three of us will see what you say. And if you have ideas for episodes or anything, reach out. Our Instagram is in the fire podcast, spelled exactly how it sounds, very simple and straightforward, in the fire podcast. You can also email us if you have ideas for episodes, comments on any episodes or anything like that. Our email is 3inthefire at gmail.com. The number 3inthefire at gmail.com. There you have it. We will be interacting with you guys, so be on the lookout for that, and we'd love for you to interact with us. Um, Happy Thanksgiving, happy Christmas season, and until next time. Adios.